Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. again everyone and welcome back to the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo as always joined by joe resinello and once more dear brothers and sisters let us go into the breach on the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area and today we're very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program a friend of the show Kristen van Uden from sophia institute press um and we're going to be discussing joe and i on the show all the time whether on social media whether on uh veritas catholic network um you know we're not pulling a rabbit out of a hat here we're not reinventing the wheel okay we just want we're trying to emphasize especially to catholics out there to get back to basics and a basic of the faith is confession, okay? Jesus is our Savior. How does he save us? From our sins, okay? Um, and what do we do about that? We go to confession. That's what the church offers us. That's where we get forgiveness and the grace necessary to live a holier life. So we're going to be discussing a reprint uh, out from Sophia uh, of a book from Father Benedict Bauer uh, titled Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life. Uh, so uh, many of you know Kristen. She's been on the show a number of times, but just a brief bio. Kristen Van Newton serves as author spokesperson at Sophia. She's received her MA in history from the College of William & Mary. Uh, her B.A. in History and Russian from St. Anselm College. She studies the persecution of Catholics under communist regimes and has been featured on a wide range of media platforms, including Coast to Coast, the Federalist, and the Catholic Faith Network. Now, the, the author of the book, Father Benedict Bauer, he passed away in 1963. He was a German Benedictine priest and theology professor. He served as abbot of the Arch Abbey of Buran, dedicated to the liturgy and research. Father Bauer was the founder of Vitus Latina Institute, and his numerous, numerous works include The Light of the World and In Silence with God. Kristen Van Uden, welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Good to see you. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. And with that, Joe Restinello. As always, Kristen, we begin with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. A mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Kristen, as Joe said, uh, we love when you come on. And many times we talk about Sophia books uh, where there is an Italian who is the <laughs> author. Today we have a the German the German. So we love it. We love it. We're mixing it up. We're crossing the <laughs> European continent here. It's good stuff. But this is a very important, I think, topic, um, as Joe said. Um, I mean, I could remember a time, we're a little bit older than you, Kristen, where there was a there was confession before every mass. I can remember that when I was a little boy. Um, that's gone. Um, now you have confession in most parishes, uh, 
it's an hour on Saturday. Um, and some parishes, frankly, it, it, it's like pulling teeth to get to a confession on a Saturday, which is sad because confession is something I think that's very, very important. I think a good place to start is how do we get here? I mean, like, I'm not saying you got to go to confession every day. Uh, clearly, that's that's a little, you know, over the top. But how did we get to this point where, you know, people don't go to confession at all? Yeah, I mean, the the reason people go to confession is, of course, to restore our souls to the point of sanctifying grace. And so really, the the crux of the issue is people's changed attitude towards sin, because if you don't see sin as something fatal to the soul, then you aren't going to see the need to confession. So basically, over the past 60 years or so, the the trend has been for people to make excuses for sin to rather than admonish the sinner, which is actually a spiritual work of mercy, to rather affirm the sinner in their sin. And it seems the only sin left in this in these people's minds is intolerance. And they have a, a false understanding of charity, which true charity is to tell people the truth, essentially, especially about their sin, because it's not going to do anyone any favors if they end up in hell because they've been affirmed in their sin, especially in their mortal sin. So this overall laxity towards sin, this abolition of sin, really, has basically, in people's minds, destroyed any need for confession. This is why we see movements in the culture of looking for absolution in all the wrong places via sort of resentment-driven activism and various movements that seek to really deify certain sins as, as cultural standard bearers. And so people really, and, and Father Bauer emphasizes this even writing in 1922, People must look within before they seek to address any societal ills on the societal level. And so the antidote for each of us is to remind ourselves the severity of sin. Uh, it calls to mind another recent Sophia book that I've been talking about on the radio circuit, which is The Diary of St. Gemma Golgani, who's a mystic saint who lived in Italy at the, to bring it back to the Italians, um, the Italians the turn, of course, at the turn of the century. And she achieved what's known as perfect contrition because she was sorry for her sins, not only because she feared hell, and because she intellectually knew that they were wrong, but also because she had this, such a close mystical relationship with Jesus. She had visions of him and Our Lady, and she could physically see how much each of her sins, even the venial sins, wounded Our Lord. And so that was very motivating to her to stop sinning, to root out any imperfection, um, to make use of the graces available in confession. And so that is where the main disconnect has happened, is that we do not possess St. Gemma's clear understanding of what sin is and how grievously it wounds our Lord. And so likewise, that people's actions will reflect that and they won't see any need to turn to confession to repair all of that damage. The, uh, thank you for that. Christian Van Uden is joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. I want your comment on this, Christian. And Joe, you could chime in too. When you uh, Let's stay on sin for a second. You know, people talk and have written and, and spoken about what purgatory must be like. You know what? You know what my vision of purgatory is? Do you know what the most painful thing um, I think of when I think of purgatory it's it's a limited, a finite, okay, because it doesn't last forever. It's not hell. Purgatory is God putting a mirror up to you and 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 showing you the 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 disastrous effects of your sins. 
and how painful that must be. When you think like, I'll, let me keep it with me. When I think of the things I've done in my life that I am abs- that were sinful and I am absolutely not proud of, I have no idea what, what effect that had um, on other people. And God will show me in purgatory, okay? Talk about that for a second. The need to, for people to understand, Kristen, not in a judgmental way, okay? Um, but, but, but for people to understand even the little things we do, when you say there's nothing really little when you're talking about sin, but venal, you mentioned venal sins, okay? Mm-hmm. How everything we do when it's sinful has a negative effect and but can potentially have a disastrous effect. Talk about that a little bit. Yes, and I know you said not to talk about judgment, but it does call to mind that imagery of the final judgment and how each of our sins will be literally displayed for the entire composite of humanity to see and as you said we will see the unseen effects as we will also see the unseen effects of whatever virtuous acts we've committed so there is that that element where uh fear can be a motivating factor and and should be to a certain degree but also and this is what both saint Gemma and father benedict bauer emphasize is that the true motivation should be of love and so when people make what is known as a confession of devotion. So this this is the main target audience that Father Bauer is writing to. He, when he defines frequent confession, he does not mean those people who keep falling into mortal sin again and again and again. He said, you know, if, the, if that is how you are, this book is not really, can't help you quite yet because he is speaking to people more so who want to perfect themselves in the spiritual life and who, you know, it, it is inevitable, even saints committed venial sins, but that we should be striving not just to do the bare minimum, but to root it out and how this is not something that we can do on our own. The only real motivation and really the way to sustain this sort of endeavor is through a supernatural grace that comes from a free gift from God. And we are motivated by a love of God to do this. So when the confession of devotion, this is not somebody who is paranoid, who is constantly worrying about hell, but they just truly love God in this very intimate way and can't imagine offending him. So think of the person on earth that you love the most and how they react when you have offended them and then multiply that times an an infinite, infinite number and realize that God loves you more than you are capable of loving him or loving anyone. And so it is that relationship just taken to the next level. So when you're able to reframe the, um, the reality of sin, in that way, it becomes less of a fear-based sort of uh, accounting for your deeds and more of one where you know that your true relationship to God has been damaged by your actions and that it is within your power to seek his forgiveness and to repair that unity. Excellent. Excellent. Joe Resinello. Just to get some, some you know, uh, catech- catechetical uh, info out there, the church requires uh, for practicing Catholics at the minimum to go to confession once a year. Um, that is in the catechism. A lot of people uh, go during Lent. A lot of people go during Advent. That's the minimum. The church says you have to go at least once a year. Um, I, for instance, uh, adhere to what Pope John Paul II, who was a saint, Padre Pio, who was a saint, and he had holes in his hands. I I, I tend to listen to people who have the stigmata um, 
they have something to say. That could my, that could be kind of a that could be kind of a big <laughs> indicator, Joe. That you yeah, might want to listen in my to that view, I, I think he has yeah. something to say, and we should pay attention to it. Um, and also the venerable Fulton Sheen. They said they recommend to go once a month. I go to be honest. I mean, I'm not you know just share. I go probably every other week to once a month, depending. Sometimes it just doesn't fit into my schedule, um, and I know when I have to go to confession. Why? People could say, what are you what are you confessing? Like, what are you confessing? Well, clearly, I, I didn't kill anybody, but I'm a sinner. They say, you know, and, and I don't want to say I'm a just man, but they say the just man falls seven times a day. We all sin. But why do we go to confession frequently? And this is why I'm so glad we're talking about this, because obviously when we go to confession, our sins are forgiven. But there's another aspect of going to confession, which I don't think is explored, and I'd like to do that here. You receive grace to overcome your sin. You see, Jesus is the divine physician, and we all sin. We all have issues to some degree or next. They might not be murder, but say I curse when I drive, which I do periodically. It's a sin. You know, or call someone stupid when I'm driving. That's a sin. I don't want to do that. Joe, I never heard of a driver in New Jersey ever <laughs> as the, that they curse while they're well, driving. I've never, I'm one I've of never them. Heard that I'm one of life. them. It's a full confession. But my point is, why do we go to confession? Because every time we go, God puts like an ointment on our wound because sin causes a wound and you grow. It also helps you to grow in virtue because that's what the Catholic life is about. It's we're supposed to grow in virtue. Talk about that. I'm interested in both your comments because I don't think people are looking at confession in that way. They go maybe once a year. And at the minimum, that's great. Good. That's what the church asks you to do. But we got to grow in virtue. And we have all have our issues. Everybody has their problems with certain things. We got to get over it. And a lot of times those problems can't be overcome by our own strength. I think that's that, a, I, I think that's the key to what you're saying. I, 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 go ahead, Kristen. I, uh, please, if you would. Yes, that is a great point that to allude to our previous point. The, the power of confession is not obviously within us, it's within God and the graces that he gives to us. And that something that seems impossible, such as breaking away from habitual sin, is possible when you have those graces. So you won't have those graces until you go. So this self-defeatist mindset of, oh, it's not going to help. And, oh, I'm such a sinner. I'll fall right back into sin. You don't know how those graces are going to take root in your soul. And if there is an ability to gain more graces, it should be taken. <laughs> um, so so uh, confession is one, one of the two, as they're known, sacraments of the dead in the catechisms, which sounds counterintuitive at first, confession and baptism. But what it means is that the soul was dead to grace before that. And baptism, of course, imbues the soul with the uh, necessary but insufficient grace for salvation. And then confession restores a dead soul, in the, in the case of mortal sin, to the spiritual life. And so just framing it that way, it just makes clear how powerful this this is. And when you think about <laughs> really like the, the image of, of people in mortal sin walking around, it's almost like zombies. They just, there's so many dead souls walking around. So that life restoring grace is the most miraculous, powerful part of confession. But also, as Joe mentioned before, the graces to overcome even venial sins are given. And so as Father Bauer highlights, and this this is somewhat new information even to me, I learned this, I think, this year, you can confess 
past sins and confession. So you can make a general confession of your entire life uh, before sacraments, for example. This is this is a popular practice. Or you can reconfess things uh, that have already been forgiven in confession. You can also confess uh, defects, so tendencies that you have towards sin, even if they don't amount to a full um, full mortal sin or even a, a sin. Um, that you can number with number in kind, you can still confess that uh, defect that you have, and even temptations, and that each of these imperfections can be cleansed with God's grace in confession so that you have the ability afterwards to no longer commit these. And also, this means that you are really driven away from lukewarmness. So that is one of the side effects, so to speak, of frequent confession that Father discusses, which is tepidity is no longer an option. And if you perhaps feel that confession is routine or that you're going through the motions, that, you know, think about it that way, that the these graces that are growing in your soul make it impossible to approach your faith in that way and to make it impossible to approach prayer even so if laziness in prayer for example is like a a defect that may not necessarily always be a sin but if that's something that you're working on those graces from confession can help to instill that zeal in your soul that will thereby make your prayer more fruitful so it's all the, the these symbiotic graces that are uh, elevating your entire spiritual life Absolutely. Kristen Van Uden is joining us here at the front line with Joe. Joe, we're talking about a reprint of a book from Sophia, out from Sophia Press, Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life by Father Benedict uh, Bauer. Kristen Van Uden, let me ask you a question. Doesn't all of this um, or, or underneath everything we're saying right now about going to confession, it requires one to have to look in the mirror? It requires one to have to actually, yes, examine their conscience. And if you have even a remotely well-formed conscience, you know what you've done, okay? That's not Joe pointing the finger at you. That's not Christian pointing the finger at you. That's not being judged by this. It's just, you know we're all sinners. Every sin, None of us is walking on water. I don't have the stigmata, okay? Um, so the thing is, but, you, but that's not easy. People could say, use the, use the phrase examination of conscience and know what it means. And that is not an easy thing to do, okay? Because like the old saying goes, no matter how sneakily you, you come up on a mirror, it's always you looking right back at you, all right? Talk about, talk about the, 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 the honesty, um, being honest with yourself about how one is living one's life, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and how important it is to examine that, no matter how painful it is, and then give those sins to Christ in the confessional. What does Father Bauer have to say about the examination of conscience? Yes, well, first of all, it entails a great degree of humility to be able to look at yourself in the mirror as you truly are. And I forget who said this, but I think it was a saint, said humility is really just the truth, telling the truth, because humility is seeing yourself in relation to God and the supernatural order with all of your sins and defects, but then with also all of the graces and gifts God has bestowed upon you. So it's not too much, not being too full of yourself. And also on the other side with inverted pride, it's not being too hard on yourself or overly scrupulous. Humility is just reality. And that's what we have to deal with is the reality of what your sins are. Go ahead. D didn't St. Paul say that? Didn't Paul say, I do the things I, I, I know I shouldn't. I don't do the things that I should do. Who does, who's to save a wretch like me? He was honest. 
Mm-hmm. He was honest. I mean, that's what it, it, I'm glad you said it like that. That's what an examination of conscience is. It's being honest with yourself and then subsequently yes. honest with Jesus. Go ahead, Kristen. I cut you off. Yes, because you can't approach confession with lies that, you know, you have to. And the worst lies we tell are the ones we tell to ourselves about ourselves. And so in in many cases, bad confessions are made because the person either doesn't want to admit their sins to themselves or they try to if you conceal a sin in confession that actually invalidates the entire confession because it's important to remember that the matter of the sacrament is comprised of your contrition so this is the the one sacrament where or maybe not the one but a sacrament in which your participation internally in that way is very important to the actual sacrament occurring because if you go into the confessional with a routine like oh, i'm just going to check the box and then go back to sinning then that is is just not valid because that would actually be the sin of presumption saying oh i'll just go to confession again i'll just do it again i can't stay out of sin it's too it's too hard so I'll just go through the motions and then hope to go to confession before I die, which I have heard people say, which is astonishing. But the that the when you make an act of contrition, that is really like you're making this vow. You must put the full force of your intellect and will behind staying out of these sins again, and that is actually part of the matter of the sacrament. And so um, that requires you to be honest, not only about examining your conscience, but also about how much you are going to try in the future to to stop with these sins so it's that humility in looking into your past and then also looking into your future um father barrett discusses the examination of conscience as on page 30 absolutely necessary for the purification of soul and for progress in virtue he says without regular examination of conscience we never get to know our faults properly rather they increase Evil inclinations and inordinate passions become stronger and may seriously threaten the life of grace. Especially, it will be impossible for charity to develop fully in us. So if you ignore your faults, they're only going to get worse. They don't go away. So it's better. The the moment to start being brave and to start looking in the mirror is now. And even if you don't like what you see, that is the point. (laughs) You're not supposed to like it if they are sins, but there's no need to fall into despair because being honest and just brave and and clear-sighted about this is the only way to move forward absolutely Kristen van uden the way i the way i think about it and then i'm going to hand it over to joe is that apart from christ i can do nothing um and that and and if i have and i do i have the desire to constantly be moving closer to christ i i can't do it i can't do it without him um and confession if it listen if it wasn't for, for confession we'd all be toast as far as I'm concerned, okay, um, and and yeah, it, it's like you know people say all the time. I got oh well, yeah, I got I got to change my life. Got to drop a few pounds. Uh, got to quit smoking. Uh, got to you know do do all these things. Let me tell you something. You want to grow in life. You want to live a virtuous life. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And the way to do it is the like we say on the show all the time. The one-two punch: go to confession and and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Joe Rusinello, where do you want to go? I want to talk about what Father Bauer has to say about folks that criticize people that go to frequent confessions, because I've heard this um, directed at me. Um, There are people both inside the church and and, and also the laity that will say, why are you doing this? What did he have to say about this? Because I am fully, you know, of the mindset that going at least once a month is the practice that all Catholics should follow. 
Yes, he addresses this right in the beginning to sort of assuage any criticism that he is basically predicting his book will receive because this movement sadly had been against frequent confession had been in existence even in 1922 when he was writing uh it was largely spearheaded by the this group of liberal theologians known as modernists which saint pius x called the synthesis of all heresies who of course will try to detract and distract from the true and evil nature of sin in order to just numb out the populace to be able to to, to push their their anti-catholic doctrines so he right off the bat says that these people are number one to be ignored because your main responsibility is to save your soul and then to preach the gospel to everyone around you and so if you know that you're not here to please man that is the can become a vice uh, it's known as human respect if we are constantly looking for the approval of man over the approval of god so his first principle when dealing with critics is to understand that God wants you to grow in spiritual life and to grow in perfection. He says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And that frequent confession pleases him. And so doesn't matter if it displeases men around you. So that can be the same operating principle in living virtue and praying frequently and staying away from your occasions of sin that might invite criticism and ridicule from others. And to remember that our Lord himself was ridiculed and was slandered up until, and especially at the moment of his passion. So that's number one. The second is that he cites uh, several recent at his time encyclicals that actually promote the practice of frequent confession. So he quotes from Mystici Corporis Christi, which was St. Pius XII, um, in his encyclical on June 29th, 1943. Um, it's a kind of a long passage, but I'll just read a little bit. He says, it is clear that in these deceptive doctrines of unsound quietism, the mystery of which we were treating becomes directed not to the spiritual profit of the faithful, but to their unhappy ruin. So making making people embarrassed about going to confession frequently can lead to ruin. Uh, equally disastrous in its effects is the false contention that the frequent confession of venial sins is not a practice to be greatly esteemed, and that the preference is to be given to that general confession, which the Bride of Christ, together which, with her children united to her in the Lord, makes daily through the priests who are about to go up to the altar of God. So those are the, the confessions included in the Mass, the, the mea culpas, etc., included in the Mass. Um, he goes on, that there are very many laudable ways in which these sins can be expiated is perfectly true, but for constant and speedy advancement in the paths of virtue, we highly recommend the pious practice of frequent confession, introduced by the church under the guidance of the Holy Ghost, for by this means we grow in a true knowledge of ourselves and in Christian humility. Bad habits are uprooted, spiritual negligence and apathy are prevented, the conscience is purified and the will strengthened. Salutary spiritual direction is obtained and grace is increased by the efficacy of the of the sacrament itself. And he finishes with, therefore, those among the young clergy who are diminishing esteem for frequent confession are known are to know that the enterprise upon which they have embarked is alien to the spirit of Christ and most detrimental to the mystical body of our Savior. Sounds pretty clear. It sounds like yes. pretty clear language to me. Yep. <laughs> Nothing ambiguous there, Kristen. Strong words from Pius XII against those who would ridicule the practice of frequent confession, for sure. Do you know Do you know one of the things, we're going to take a break in a minute. Do you know one of the things, Kristen Van Uden joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, one of the things that as a Catholic, um, 
I, I don't want to say makes me, I don't want to say makes me happy. I don't know quite how to phrase it. When I go, when I go to church and I'm going to confession, and when I see the confession line is very long. When yeah. I see old pictures of, let's say, for argument's sake, um, pilgrimages where the priest has a screen, it's on a field and the priest has the screen leaning on him and there's a person confessing through the screen and behind in the picture are hundreds of people waiting to see the priest for confession. Now, people would say like, like why does that make you happy? Is it because, because sinners are going to Christ. <laughs> That's why. Because people are acknowledging that the, that, that the world, listen, we're fighting against the world, the flesh and the devil. And I'm going to say it one more time. If you're not going to confession, you're toast. If you don't have the grace of Christ, you're toast. So yes, when I see long confession lines, again, I don't want to be at the end of that line because I got to go to work. <laughs> so I try to get there an hour early, right? Pray a rosary, but at least I'm at the front of the line. It makes me happy. I, I, I feel like that's right. Catholics practicing their faith, um, acknowledging their sins and looking to the only one who can actually help us, not just individually, but help the world, who is Jesus Christ. Let's go to a break. Kristen Van Uden's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Rosanello, we're discussing Father Benedict Bowers' reprint, reprint of his book, Out from Sophia, Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life. You're joining us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. So this is a great conversation, an important conversation uh, with Kristen Van Uden. Stick around for another segment. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We are discussing In the Breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Kristen Van Uden from Sophia Press. Confession, particularly Father Benedict Bauer's uh, book that he wrote uh, called Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life. Uh, this is a reprint from Sophia Institute Press. Real quick, uh, Kristen, where can folks buy the book? As usual, available on our website, which is sophiainstitute.com. Awesome. Joe Resinello. I want to address something um, that I hear sometimes by people who are Catholic who go to Mass. Many times they're cultural Catholics, people who are Italian, Irish, Polish. It's just baked into their life. Like, we go to Mass. But they'll say, like, I'm bored. I'm bored. Well, immediately when I hear that, what I would say, if I could be very honest with that person, when's the last time you've gone to confession? I say, well, how are the two linked? Because if you receive our Lord in the state of grace, you will not be bored. And I think this is a problem because people will go to receive our Lord without going to confession. We know that that is not proper. You have to receive in the state of grace, and you have to go to confession at least once a year, and that is in the catechism. But I want to emphasize this, because God's grace is constantly flowing from the sky. But we put up in an umbrella, and that umbrella is sin. And when we take the umbrella down by going to confession, we receive the grace. So the Mass will mean more to you. Like it will, it'll open your eyes to the mass. And that's why it's the one, two punch. We have to go to confession before we receive the Eucharist. We have to be in a state of grace. I bring this up because there are many people who will debate that. 
They will say, and this is, if you ask me, I don't even think one can debate it. It's a clear teaching of the church. It's written down. And I don't understand it. And I can go off on a tangent. I'm not going to. But let's talk about that. It's written down. The church teaches you have to be in a state of grace, which means you cannot be in mortal sin to receive the Eucharist. Kristen, does Bauer address that, Father Bauer, in the book? If I think not, that, we'll address it. <laughs> I think that was just obvious to Father Bauer because at, there were no Catholics in 1922 and then in 59 when this was re-released -re who would dispute that. <laughs> that is an obvious teaching of the church, and those who are disputing it today are just being diabolically dishonest and uh for sadly for them because this is like they they eat and drink their own perdition because in case anyone was not aware to receive the eucharist in a state of mortal sin is itself another mortal sin so adding another mortal sin on top of the sins already racked up and so um if you make a, a general this is a good thing to bring to a general confession for example if, if people have been receiving uh illicitly and sacrilegiously for even sometimes up to years got to make sure to confess those two that's very important to be able to confess no no absolutely um i, I just want to piggyback on that go ahead second, joe though. go ahead because like ultimately though and this is one of the advantages of a frequent confession is to develop the well-formed conscience now yeah. many people do things they don't realize that they're doing something that could potentially or objectively be a mortal sin. But the good thing about going to a, a going, say, once a month is if you have a good priest, he will help you develop a well-formed conscience. Now let's juxtapose that with the idea of primacy of conscience, which says, I determine what's right versus allowing the church and her perennial teachings to form my view of what's right. Let's talk about that because I think it's very important. Many people do things, they're sincere, mm -hmm. but they're sincerely wrong. Not because I say so, <laughs> because God said so. The church says so. It's in the catechism. And yet they, they're not informed. Talk about that. It's important. It really is in my view. Yes, that's a great point, is that the conscience must be well-formed in order to be trusted. And uh, Cardinal Newman calls the conscience the aboriginal law. So even for someone who has not formally studied theology, the conscience, because it was placed there by God, points them towards the truth and points them towards doing good and avoiding evil. However, for people who are mired in sin, as we know, sin darkens the intellect and it also darkens the moral sense, their consciences can become so warped that they are no longer trustworthy. And so when people say this, this concept of primacy of conscience, when it contradicts magisterial teaching, you know that you are wrong and not the church. And so ultimately, it's a pride, a deeply rooted pride that causes people to think that their conscience knows better than the perennial teachings of the church and that they can excuse themselves or exonerate themselves of sin um, or, or near occasions of sin or whatever they wish to hold on to that they're unwilling to give up because it contradicts the teachings of the church. So it is very important to have a well-formed conscience because your conscience can betray you if it is ill-formed. Um, so Father Benedict Bauer 
addresses how to develop a well-formed conscience. Number one is a daily examination of conscience. And he recommends not only your typical examine, but also, as we've discussed on this program before, the particular examine based on the seven deadly sins, where you get to the root of what is causing most of your sins. So for a lot of people, it's pride, whether that be a more external pride of superiority or the more inverted pride of timidity or sensitivity, where you're easily offended, easily wounded, or vanity, where that's uh, trying to impress others and overvaluing human respect. So the daily examine is something that requires a lot of humility, and that will help to build your conscience and strengthen it like a muscle to be able to work day in and day out. The second thing, he says that the development of conscience, quote, is an essential part of the religious and moral formation of a Christian. It goes on almost unnoticed, unsystematically, day by day, in prayer, spiritual reading, study of the scriptures, reception of the sacraments. And so the second way to really build your conscience, according to Father Bauer, is to just study and understand the faith. You can't love what you don't know. And so we have a duty to know the faith to a, to a certain point. And so the development of the conscience, luckily for us, is something that goes on in the background as we are imbibing more of the truths of the church, reading about the lives of the saints, just living the life of the sacraments and and uh, just learning more about about virtue and practicing that virtue in the real world. So your conscience is strengthened through these virtuous acts as well. Thank you for that. Kristen Van Uden's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're discussing a reprint of Father Benedict Bauer's book, Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life. Kristen, there's so many directions I want to go in, but let me let me focus on this. I'm trying to put myself in the in the position of, of somebody in the audience out there might be driving, listening to us, talking about confession. Um, talk about despair. Mm-hmm. Talk about those out there. I know because I, I was one of them, okay? Mm-hmm. Um Talk about the need not to fear confession with the idea or to stay away from confession with the idea that you've committed a sin that God will not forgive, which is the sin of despair to mm-hmm. limit God and to say that God either a is unwilling or B is not powerful enough to forgive your sins. OK, um, talk about the need for anybody out there who might be in that position to say, no, no, that's that's wrong. Go to confession because there's there's nothing that, that God will not forgive someone who 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 is is sorry for their sin sincerely. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yes, exactly. God is bigger than your sin, and He will forgive it. There are certain sins, like like abortion, for example, that require. That's exactly where I was going because there may be there may be somebody out there. I'm sorry to cut you off because because that's mm-hmm. exactly where I was going. I believe in my heart of hearts there are many women, a lot of Catholic women mm-hmm. out there who have had abortions who have not been to confession, mm-hmm. both maybe because they've imbibed the culture, but also because maybe they, they in their conscience, they, you know, they, they, they believe in their heart that, that God will not forgive them. So I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's the direction really I was going. Yeah, yeah. as far as I understand it, abortion must be forgiven by a bishop in, in confession, um, if I'm remembering that correctly. You're, but you're there, correct. You're there correct. are bishops, okay. Uh, there are bishops and they are willing to do this. So don't let that be an impediment to going to heaven, please. Um, and really the most important thing to remember when 
you feel self-defeated and feel that God can never forgive you is that that is a lie from the devil because he wants you to feel that way because he will stop at nothing to get you to not go to confession and to not be restored to the life of grace and to sanctifying grace and to go to heaven because he wants everyone to be as miserable as he is and he wants to drag people down to hell to hell so uh the the well-known maxim that before you commit a sin the devil will convince you of it's how small it is and how unimportant it is and say, oh, just go ahead. It doesn't matter. But then after you commit the sin, even though you're on his team, so to speak, by having committed a mortal sin, he'll still hate you. And he'll say, look at what you did. Look at what I got you to do. Now God will never forgive you. You can't possibly be restored to grace now. And so the devil lies at every stage to keep you in that state of sin and to keep you in the state of despair. So despair is something that always comes from the devil because God is love and and the, the knowledge of what God did for us can only ever inculcate hope. And so to to understand the spiritual warfare aspect of that helps you to be like, no, this this sense of despair isn't coming from me. This is coming from outside diabolical forces and uh, to act accordingly. Thank you for that, Kristen. Joe Rossinello. Let's talk about sins of omission. Uh, Father Bauer provides a reflection on this in the book. Um, what does that mean? When we, I always remember when I go to confession, it's usually the last thing I say, and the sins, the sins of omission, the sins I did not, you know, the things I did not do um because we're held accountable for that mm -hmm. like for instance you know uh say i could help somebody i had the means to help somebody and i i refused i refused mm -hmm. you know that's a sin you know i didn't do anything but i i just i didn't act mm -hmm. talk about that and what did father bauer have to say about that because uh i think that's sometimes overlooked Yes, he defines sins of omission as such. We commit sin not only by doing evil, but also by not doing the good that we can and should do, or at any rate, by not doing it the way we could and ought to do. This is what is meant by sins of omission, the omission of the good that in one way or another, we have an obligation to do. And so this can apply across the board to moral acts, as well as to acts of defending the faith. For example, when if it's really easy if you're in a conversation where people are um, maybe more secular minded people are either insulting the church or making some sort of comment contrary to faith and you just kind of go along with it, that can be considered a, a sin of omission. And the, um, we, the way he says we have an obligation to act in certain circumstances really makes it clear that you can't opt out of of life really you can't um you're, you're you're a soldier for christ and you have to to behave that way in every potential situation so sins of omission are harder to really identify because you could always be doing more right like there's always um something and a better way to be using your time but i i think like what he really emphasizes is this is thoughtlessness. And so I think today sins of omission can really creep in with wasting time, especially with internet and social media where um, we either neglect duties or whatever. So uh, he says, let us think especially about how thoughtlessly we let pass unused so many moments of God given time. So wasting time and um, all of the things that come with that, I think, would be a very concrete way to think of sins of omission in today's world. 
Thank you for that. Kristen Van Uden's with us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we are discussing Father Benedict Bauer's book, an important book, a reprint uh, out from Sophia Institute Press, Frequent Confession, Its Place in the Spiritual Life. Kristen, let's, um, you know, like, like what is what is Christian perfection? Like, I, I always think in my mind, I'm, I, I, you know, Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. But I, 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 I'm being honest, I, 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 I don't see myself ever in my life while i'm while i'm on this earth being anywhere near perfect okay but yet the church teaches that there is such a thing as christian perfection uh where am i off well father bauer discusses perfect christian perfection in terms of perfect love so on page 204 in his chapter entitled perfect love he says his perfect love is a divine virtue. It is called divine charity because it has God for its immediate object and because everything it embraces outside God is embraced out of regard for God for his sake and in him. And then finally, it is called divine charity also because it is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So as far as I understand it, our our ability to achieve Christian perfection in this life consists of this perfect love for God and our a striving towards that perfect love for God, which goes back to the concept of perfect contrition, which when we get to that level, we are, we are sorry for our sins because of how they hurt God. And because we dare not to offend God rather than for all these other worldly or secondary reasons. What I, I want to make one quick, tell you guys one quick um, personal story uh, very quickly. And I'm going to hand it over to Joe is, um, is I, I when in my journey, in other words, like I, I, I had what motivated me was a was a fear of hell, okay? Like it's a good I, it motivation. Was almost, it, 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 well, and it is, and, I, <laughs> and believe me when I tell you, uh, I, I fear hell even more, but not in an obsessive way. I, I want to say just from my own personal experience, and I'm sure many many others have, have experienced this, okay? But that grace of the confessional. That grace that many people are leaving on the table, okay? That that's why we're here talking about it, okay? I can see the progression in my spiritual journey where where I no longer have that that obsessive fear of hell, if you know what I mean, and it is constantly moving towards. Yes, I fear hell, but 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 most but but I'm going because I because I've offended God. I'm going to confession because I've offended God, and that's what that grace does. It, 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 it throws that like I don't even think about hell sometimes anymore. I don't because when I sin, my, my biggest concern, it, it really, it's funny to say, is not that anymore. It's that, God, I've offended you. You who do everything for me, I've offended you. Now that people say, well, they, the two work hand in hand. But I think that mentally um, and, and, and in your soul, that's what the grace does. It's not a matter of, you know, it is a matter of fearing hell, but it's but, but again, not in an obsessive way. But 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 responding in the way we're supposed to, we 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 love God. We want to constantly in this life grow closer to God, and that's why we go to confession. I, in my own spiritual journey, I think that was one of the most important things. It's just the disposition changes to its proper object, as you as you said earlier, which is the love of God. Um, if you guys want to comment on that, that's fine. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, hell is real and sin is real. I think that's a fundamental like thing that all Catholics have to believe and take to heart. Sin is real and so is hell. And we don't want to sin and we don't want to end up in hell. But Joe, but real quick, I want to, I, and I love Chris's guy. I think where I was going with that, I, I kind of lost my train of thought, but where I was going was that 
is that 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 obsess that obsession with hell almost led me to despair. Mm-hmm. So that when what I mean by that is that to I, I had thoughts in my mind at the time again this is several years ago that God will never forgive me of my sins. Now thank God He gave me the grace to finally get to that general adult confession that I had several years ago. Okay, but I think that 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 over over obsession with hell leads could lead one to despair that we spoke about earlier. That's where That's I was kind of devil. going with that. Because God any God is there's no God is nowhere in despair. That's the devil telling you you can't be forgiven. And many people have that. Like when I'm on the line to confession, I didn't kill anybody, but sometimes you feel embarrassed you're going to say so. That's the devil. Mm. Like whispering in your ear, don't do this. And to comment on that, I mean, I you hear people all the time. They say, I want to change my life. You hear this constantly, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day resolutions. I look as a Catholic at every Catholic church. Sometimes I drive by and I say, you're one confession away, a 15 minute conversation away from changing your entire life. And it's free. Like, and people don't use this. You mean you don't have to pay some self-help guru to help no, Tony Robbins? you don't need to talk to Anthony Robbins. On, <laughs> like, like you don't have to spend 150 bucks to sit in a stadium and listen. I was going to say, that, dude, that dude's expensive, man. Confession's yeah, free. <laughs> it's free. And people don't utilize that. They come up with every other reason why they shouldn't. It, it blows my mind. But now I want to throw a comment out there because I'm an old Italian man from New Jersey. I do not have a PhD, but I did go to Harvard on the Hudson, and I'm going to throw a piece of advice to all the people who listen to this. It's easier to avoid sin to then resist it. Like, it's easier to avoid sin than resist it. If you have an issue with pornography, put your computer in a public place in your house. Don't put it in a private place. If you have an issue with alcohol, Don't go to a bar. Like, this is how we do the right thing. Too many people, I think they, they dabble in sin. Like, like, like they'll, like, they'll be saying, you know, I'm not going to go there. Uh, Like, but you know, I do like to go to a bar, smoke a cigarette, have some fun, talk to people, but I won't drink. Next thing you know, 12 beers later, they're wasted. You know what I mean? Like, right. Does Bauer address that? And if, he, to be honest with you, if he's not addressing that, let's address it. Because I think this is a common mistake that people make that fall into problems. You know, like, if you know you have a weak spot, don't go there. Well, Joe, let's get Kristen in on that, because then I want to I piggyback off that when Kristen's done. Kristen Van Newton. Yeah, I, I'm sure he does address it. I can't remember exactly where in the book, but... Essentially, he would, of course, state what the church has always taught about near occasions of sin is that purposefully placing yourself into those near occasions of sin, which for everyone are a little different depending on what your vices are and uh, your ability of self-control and whatever, can itself be a sin to to do that because you are thinking that, oh, I'm so strong that I won't fall into this. And really, that's coming from a pride and almost from attempting God or tempting the devil. And why would you want to risk it? Why would you want to tempt fate, so to speak, when you're placing yourself in these situations? And um, also to go off a point Joe had made earlier about 
the the fear of hell and the love of heaven being sort of a similar self-same motivation just brings us again and again back to the four last things, which we discuss on this program a lot, because that's really when it comes down to it, there is no middle ground. There is no, oh, I'll go and have a few drinks and, you know, have it both ways. There is only heaven and hell at the end. <laughs> Death, judgment, heaven and hell. And there's 100% goodness and then 100% evil. And so, of course, those are the same motivations because we we move towards the good. And in this life, we unfortunately get distracted because we move towards partial goods or things that appear good, but really on the inside are bad. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas discusses doing evil. People always think that they're doing good. And they think it's good either for themselves or for the world. They're just, they've got a warped conscience like we discussed earlier. So the, we have those various gradations and gradients in this world of thinking that we can have good with some evil mixed in but at the end of the at the end of days and the end of the day that's really all there is 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 heaven and hell and so to keep that in mind that dual motivation really does make sense um christian van newton saint paul wrote we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against uh principalities powers spiritual wickedness in high places, all right? So Ephesians 6 is one of the only things I can actually say, give you where it comes from in the, you know, in scripture. I, I learned that one about 20 years ago, Ephesians 6, but it's, but it's true. It sticks with you. Talk, I'd like comments from the both of you. We are discussing, we are discussing confession. We're discussing frequent confession. It's placed in the spiritual life by a reprint from Sophia Institute Press by Father Benedict Bauer. Here's the thing. And why why I think, and I love both of your comments on this, first you, Kristen, is that we are in such a spiritual battle that confession offers you the only grace you have. You guys just talked about the near occasions of sin. Okay, there's things we could do. Put the computer in the drawer. If you've got a problem with porn, throw the computer in the drawer. Okay. Or throw, it out. The computer, throw it out or throw it out. Or if you need it for work or, or if you need it, if need it for things, uh, you only use it in the presence of your family. If you're a family man, but you're having an issue with, with pornography, there's things that we could do. Okay. But here's where I want your comments is that again, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. The spiritual battle, the culture war. Okay. A guy trying to do the right thing. I always keep it with guys, Christian, but you know what I mean? We try not to be chauvinistic around here, but a guy trying to do the right thing is, is bombarded, assaulted soon as he walks out of his house. Okay. Mm -hmm. I work in a restaurant that if, 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 if a guy's got a problem with porn, he'd have to quit his job. Okay. Because of the way the people, especially the women, are dressed when they come in and out. Every place we go, every billboard, I'm watching YouTube. I'm watching a Catholic program on YouTube, and so and some 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 evil, you know, uh, image comes on the on the screen. Talk about the need. This is my overarching point, and I want your comments, Kristen. Talk about you. You have to go get that grace because the assault on you, your soul, is relentless. So you're gonna, you could do all these things and say, I won't go to that bar. I won't look at the computer. But it's still all out there, okay? And it's in your face. And you need grace to overcome that because I'm going to say it one more time. If you don't go get that grace that's available for you in the confession, you're toast. Kristen, your comments on that. Yeah, it's so true. We live in a pagan world, but it's, it's worse than the original pagan world because it's a post-Christian pagan world. So it has heard the gospel and rejected it. It's heard the message of Christ and turned away from it and ridiculed it and ridiculed those who hold to it. So it is a very unique battlefield that we're navigating where everywhere we go, like you said, just to live a life outside, you, you go out and there are assaults on the faith at every corner. So the way that I like to frame it is that 
really what what this entails accepting grace and accepting our own powerlessness is giving up and that sounds counterintuitive but you you give up and you give it to god because as you said that we can't do anything on our own that's you know it's been a condemned heresy i think donatism is that we can we can do things of our own will and and of our own merits so everything that we do that has merit is only because it is cashing in on the merits that christ himself won for us so we we know we're saved through faith and works but everything has jesus at the root and so to to recognize that and to sort of lean into that helplessness is not a a defeat but that's actually a victory because like you say you've won this victory of humility then where you rely on christ for everything and as we've seen just realistically that is the only way that we can win the battle is through allowing him to do it for us well christian we're we're running out of time here um i i want to say this one one of the things my wife is really good at is pulling novenas out of the um that she has in a in a, in a box or, you know here here in our place and uh i think a great uh thing that she gave me recently was a surrender novena um that i think encapsulates what you just said because mm-hmm. the the prayer in the surrender novena oh by the way i think it was written by father rutolo that yeah, I think uh, we talked about father, father delindo rutolo yeah. that you we <laughs> talked about the last time you were on the show um is jesus i surrender to you you yeah. take care of everything i would recommend that to anybody okay um to to pray the surrender prayer it gives you i think it gives you a proper disposition along the lines of what you were just talking about unfortunately christian we're out of time give you a time for one final thought please let people know where they are uh, the title of the book and where they could buy it yes so thanks again for having me i would recommend everyone to get this book because frequent confession is really as as father benedict will illustrate the way that we can most closely unite ourselves to jesus in the most accelerated uh way and it's a it's a forgotten gem that many turn away from but essential to our salvation so it is i would recommend making a general confession going to confession either every two weeks up to every month um as he recommends in the book and deepening your understanding of what the sacrament really does so the book is entitled frequent confession by father benedict bauer and it's available at sophiainstitute.com Kristen, as always, thank you so much, our friend, for coming on the show. Great conversation. And again, important conversation. We're not wasting our time here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We don't talk about light things. We talk about heavy things, okay? And yes, the salvation of our souls is a very heavy thing. It's the most important thing because that's what God wants. Um, And we get that grace in the confessional. Kristen, thanks again for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll see you soon. Thank you. God bless. God bless you, and thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. Share it with your friends. It'll give you access to all of our station's content, and if you like what Joe and I do, you can follow us on social media, uh, primarily at the Frontline TV on YouTube, the Frontline TV, but you can find us all over the place, and wherever you do, please help us out. Like, subscribe, share do all that fun stuff and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere we'll talk to you soon